Everybody should have your Bibles. You should have your Bibles. Revelation, the 17th chapter. 17th chapter, when John, it was revealed unto him. Um, uh, this church, this false church, 17 and 5. Uh, it says, and upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery. Uh, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. All right. And John, when he was, he saw her, he said he saw her, uh, the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And he said, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. What in the world is, can, is it possible that a church could actually look one way and be utterly corrupt? Come on, somebody. Is it possible that a church can actually do this? She's drunken with the blood of the saints. Uh, she has murder. She has blood on her hands. Uh, the martyrs of Jesus Christ and his mouth dropped open. Amen. And I want to remind you, uh, if you will go with me, we're just recapping just a little bit. Uh, Revelation 6 and 9. Those individuals, John said, when he saw this church, this mother of harlots, this whore, she had blood on her hands, the saints and the martyrs of Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you, we saw them back in Revelation uh, 6 and 9. Uh, when the fifth seal was opened up. Uh, you all remember that? Join me there. Revelation 6 and 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. Amen. And for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants, also their brethren, that they should be killed as were, should be fulfilled. Amen. So, uh, the word came to them that this thing has to play all the way out. Amen. There are yet others during that tribulation period that's going to lose their life for the cause of Christ. Amen. The Bible says, and white robes were given unto them. Let's go to Revelation 19. White robes, that's our garb. And we certainly know that they're going to be saved. God is going to include them in the number. Because the Bible says when he makes his triumphant entry, he says something here that I, I think uh, each and every one of us should take into consideration that these souls here that were fall fell up under the altar. And, you know, as they say, the Bible says only what you do for Christ will last. The songwriter says only what you do for Christ will last. Amen. We certainly know that from a biblical teaching. Uh, that those souls are not going to be lost or the testimony that they had will not be in vain. Only which if you got to take a stand, come on somebody, whatever you got to suffer, 
Paul said, if we live this three score and 10, it's only a moment compared to the eternity that we're going to spend with God. So whatever you have to suffer, whatever you have to go through, it's going to be worth it all. All right. Um, um, Revelation 19, 11 uh, through 16 Jesus is making his triumphant entry and he's bringing his bride with him. He's coming to fight that battle of Armageddon, amen, and he's bringing his bride. He's not coming to save us from no war. No, he's bringing us with him to the war, amen. He's going to do the fighting, but we're going to be with him. All right, he says, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as the flame of fire and his head were as many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon what? They had white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. My God, so those souls that were given the white robes are going to be with us. Hold on. This thing has to play out, but they're going to gather us with us and be with us as he makes his triumphant triumphant entry into Revelation the 17 to fight. Uh, this battle of Armageddon, amen, and certainly we know that they're, they're not going to be forgotten, and I want to encourage each and every one of you again, whatever we have to suffer for the cause of Christ, it's going to be worth it. God is not going to forget, come on somebody, your labor of love. All right, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of, of and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, what is he? King of kings and Lord of lords. My God. So when he comes in uh, to fight that battle of Armageddon, those that were under the altar crying, uh, will not be forgotten. He's going to bring them with him. Amen. Uh, and the reason they were uh, give, they were martyred, and we were talking about um, uh, the Catholic Church and the fact that we started out, we left off reading in uh, Bishop Paddock's book, and we will continue there uh, very shortly, uh, talking about the Catholic Church. Amen. This is the Catholic Church that we have unveiled that started out in the oneness, started out in the oneness and martyred those individuals that would not start, uh, convert to the Trinity. Uh, all of the Bible uh, greats uh, that started with the framers of the gospel, if you will, in the last 500 years, one of them being Martin Luther, he was part of the Catholic Church, amen, and he his desire, and goal was to reform and pull people out of the Catholic Church. And when they called on to him, they kicked him out. Uh, and he started the Lutheran Church, as we know today, 
but as I say, uh, Martin Luther was no great man because he began to martyr people as well. So a lot of individuals were martyred uh, and those that were in the Catholic Church that held on to the oneness that would not adopt to the Trinity uh, were martyred for the cause of Christ. And that's why this church have the blood of the saints on its hands. All right. Now, not everybody, as I say, converted to the Trinitarian doctrine. We went back to Revelation 2, uh, that church of Thyatira. Uh, the Lord told him, told them that he gave this church time to repent, to turn, uh, said aloud Jezebel to prophesy. Come on, somebody, you all know the false church hates true prophecy. Now it has prophecy, but it's false prophecy. True prophecy testifies against it. Come on, somebody, and that's what Jesus said. This world hates me because I testify against it. What does it do? It allows Jezebel to prophesy and calls its members to commit fornication, spiritual fornication. My God, you can go back and read it, but I want to pick up right here, Revelation 2 and 24. But he said, but unto you, I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, you have not change. You have not converted to the Trinitarian doctrine. Come on, somebody. You have stuck with the oneness and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. Hold on. This thing is going to play out. We are seeing it playing out. And that's what we're studying. What in the world is going on? God has a way that's mighty street sweet. Amen. He has said it. He has spoken it. It has left his mouth. And he said it will not return unto him void. Amen. His word will accomplish what he has set it out to do. So that's the same message for us today. Hold on. God has a plan. God has a church. Come on, somebody. My God, and we are precious in his sight, amen, and certainly he always protects his dear children. He is a fierce defender of them that love him. Come on, somebody. My God. All right. So we were reading some of Bishop uh, Ross Perry Paddock, um, sound wisdom that has been laid up for the righteous, but I want to give you uh, a scripture that goes along with this. And that's in Proverbs 2, uh, 1 through 7. Proverbs 2, 1 through 7. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou crieth after knowledge, and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seeketh her as silver, and searches for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. Our thought 
And this is what we're talking about. He layeth up sound wisdom for his righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. And certainly we know we have the, the word of God. Uh, but we have our apostolic fathers that have gone on before that have laid up sound wisdom for the righteous. Amen. And this is one of the books, uh, Apostolic Roots, a goodly heritage uh, that has been laid up for us. And we have been able to go in and confirm some of the things that we have already read uh, in, in the Bible. And uh, the scripture lets us know that if you take a heart to what I say, this, would, this is what the scripture said. Uh, son, if you would take a heart uh, to what I say uh, and store up my laws in your mind. Amen. Uh, he said he will uh, bring those things uh, to your remembrance. You all remember John 14, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost will bring things to your remembrance. Come on, somebody. My God, whatsoever I have taught you, so the Holy Ghost, amen. If we have our Holy Ghost fed when we need it, it will bring things to your remembrance, what you need when you need it. Come on, somebody. That's why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit working on the inside to lead you and guide you into the paths of truth and righteousness. If you will take it to heart, what I say, and store my laws in your mind. Amen. What did David said? I had hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Not this heart that pumps blood through your organs, but this, the seed of your affection. Young man, give me your heart. That's what God wants. He wants your heart. Amen. Uh, if you will do this, you will always have wisdom and understanding. We're living in a time where minds are deceived as never before. Amen. The Bible says, he that hunger and thirst after righteousness, what? We're going to be fed. We got to search for it. Come on, somebody. Just like it's hid treasure, just like it's silver. All right. Uh, it's, the Bible says, if a man lacketh wisdom, what does he do? He asks God. If you cry after discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, God said he will feed you. Come on, somebody. My God, he's not going to leave himself without a witness. God is going to have uh, and lay up sound wisdom for the righteous. Amen. And we're living in a time now where the fear of God, nobody fears God, and it's taught by the precept of man. My God, and if you look up that word precept, it talks about a rule that is used to control, influence, or regulate conduct. I'm on somebody. My God, the fear toward God is taught by the precept of men. And certainly that's what we're talking about. The influence of this false church is going to tell you by doing this is the way to be saved. But she's riding on the beast, the woman, the false, uh, the whore, the harlot. She's riding upon the beast, uh, the governmental piece. And I don't know how you separate them. And because they're all speaking the same thing. 
They're all speaking the same lies. Uh, the father of lies, the author of lies. Come on, somebody. My God, and I know a lot of times people say, well, you know, it should be a separation of church and state. But when you go into prophecy and realize that this false church is going to be working in conjunction with the government, how can you not talk about it? How can you not testify against it? Come on, somebody. My God. Isaiah 29. This is something that's happening before our very eyes. And I'm turning to it as well, because I want to give you time to turn. Although I have it on my screen here, I want to be um, patient with those that do have to turn to get the scriptures, because I want everybody to uh, bring your Bible to Bible class and follow along with me. Amen. I want to make sure nobody say, well, my pastor said, I want you to say it is written that that carries authority. All right. Isaiah 29, we want 13 and 14. This is happening before our very eyes. Wherefore the Lord saith, for as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips, they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Now that word precept again, that is a rule used to control, influence, regulate conduct. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, the influence of this false church that comes up with rules to control, to influence, and to regulate conduct and tell people this is the way to Christ, uh, but she's utterly corrupt. Come on, somebody. My God. All right. I, I'm back in uh, Isaiah now. Um, Therefore, since this is a fact, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. What in the world is going on? Where are our wise men? Where is the prudency of our prudent men? Come on, somebody. And I even got a, a, a further question. Uh, take us a little further of that. Where are our men of Issachar? that have a perfect understanding of the times and know what Israel ought to do. My God, if there's ever a time, my God, we need the leading, uh, the discernment, uh, the anointing of God upon our lives, we sure do need him now. Come on, somebody. So these are the paralyzing effects of the great whore. Uh, that bride that's pretending to be the bride of Christ, but it is the bride of Satan. Her influence, come on somebody, are having a paralyzing effect upon society until people don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. And we're seeing a whole lot of desperate and dire situations even before our very eyes. 
Um, and it's like, uh, I want to go back to Revelation 6 and 4. We're talking about the unleashing of the revealing, opening of those seven seals. One of them I want you to pay particular attention to. <clears throat> Revelation uh, 6 and 4. And that was the opening up of, let me see. Mm. Six and four. All right. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given to him that sat upon to take what? Peace from the earth that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, this Antichrist, now they're all Antichrist, but these are uh, the different roles that he will play, the influence that he will have upon uh, the earth. And this particular one, uh, the rider that went out on the red horse, had the authority uh, to take peace from the earth. Come on, somebody. Uh, that they should kill one another. And there was given him a great sword. So we're talking about mass death and destruction. Now, I, I want to um, say this here now. I, I said before, you know, Bishop Paddock was talking about when he would come to Ann Arbor and teach. And I was just a young uh, fellow, but when he started talking about the Antichrist, uh, he described him as alive and well and dwelling among us today. Now, that was something that got my attention. I was just a young man. You know, I I stood up and started looking around. Well, not stood up, but you started paying attention. Well, who is that <laughs> uh, that's alive and well and dwelling among us today? Bishop Herman. That uh, is a, he's alive and well and dwelling among us today. My own father, he's alive and well and dwelling among us today. What are they talking about? We know that he's going to be revealed in his time, but that spirit, that spirit is alive and well and it's dwelling among us right now. My God. We see now, don't wait to, you know, the tribulation period and all of this stuff is going to happen. It's happening right now. It's being set up. Everything is in place. We see people leaving here for more reasons uh, than we've ever seen before. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. Murder rates are skyrocketing. Uh, um, just for the uh, cigarette sales. Uh, people are trying to cope, have gone up <laughs> for the first time in 20 years since we've gone through this pandemic. Uh, people are stressed out. They're finding coping uh, mechanisms. Uh, if that wasn't bad enough, now we have the online gambling. Uh, people can get on their phones and you, you got sports book and your fan duel and all of these uh, gambling, uh, Caesar rewards, uh, talking about they're going to cover $5,000 in loss on your first bet. 
That's just like the drug dealer. The first hit is free. That's the same thing. We're going to cover $5,000 in loss on your first bet. That's just like saying the first hit or the first, uh, uh, you know, high is going to be free because after that, what? You're hooked. News is talking about how people have started, you know, um, credit card sales have gone up. People are buying, you know, just trying to cope, just nervous. Come on, somebody. This Antichrist is going to be given authority to take peace from the earth. And, and we're talking about right now. We're not talking about something that's going to happen later. Everything is in place right now. And if you're looking for things to get better, it's going to repeatedly get worse and worse. My God. All right. <clears throat> We're going back to apostolic roots now. Apostolic roots, a goodly heritage by our, um, I want to uh, mention that he's a Caucasian uh, Ross Perry Paddock. I don't know if any of you have had the pleasure of meeting him in person, uh, but he's a great man, great man of God. And I thank God for the exposure uh, that I have had uh, with these apostolic, great apostolic men of God uh, that have been in my life and have influenced my life. And I also thank God for this particular book, Sound Wisdom. And he has laid up for the righteous. All right. We began talking uh, when uh, Bishop uh, Paddock was talking about the Azusa Street Ministry and how uh, even in the latter rain, and that's uh, 1906 when the Holy Ghost began to uh, fall on Bonnie Brace Street in Los Angeles, California, uh, the Holy Ghost fell out in great measure. Uh, many souls were filled with his spirit. They still were in the Trinitarian doctrine. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? They were of the persuasion and under the influence that comes from the great uh, whore, the mother of harlots, that Trinitarian doctrine was the doctrine that was of choice, even in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we thank God. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. Can you imagine that? You know, uh, a great outpouring of his spirit, yet they're still in the Trinitarian belief and under the influence of the Catholic Church. Now we've gone back and, 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 and talked about that uh, in detail. So if you haven't got it, go back to the previous uh, Bible classes, uh, how this church, the Catholic church started out in the oneness and they changed it. They changed and went to the Trinitarian doctrine and martyred those individuals that held on to the oneness doctrine. Amen. God is angry with the wicked every day. But the songwriter said, there shall be light in the evening time. In the path of glory, you shall surely find. 
Come on, somebody. The evening time has come. Tis the fact that God and Christ are one. Amen. So it was back in 319 AD, the Catholic Church decided uh, that they would go to the Trinitarian doctrine. It was the Nicene Council that did this. We find this right in the sound wisdom that has been laid up for us. And everybody wanted to turn to the Trinitarian doctrine because of the Catholic Church. Those are the rivers, and prophecy rivers is influence that flow. Uh, this woman sits upon the city uh, of those rivers, amen? Those rivers that flow out of her will have influence throughout the world. But thank God uh, for a man of Issachar that had the understanding of the times and the oneness doctrine uh, was being given to uh, our founding father, Bishop G.T. Haywood, and I have a lot of his teaching here, and I thank God for that. I gave you all the, the history on how I got a hold of all of his uh, teachings, uh, the complete teachings of Bishop G.T. Haywood when I was at the Mother Church in, in Annapolis. And God be re began to reveal unto him uh, the the oneness doctrine and the baptism in Jesus name. Amen. And we see here, even out of that, out of the PAW came other Trinitarian churches. And I'm going to read a little bit more here uh, in his book. Um, <clears throat> Um, this is page 43 of um, Apostolic Roots, a goodly heritage from Bishop Paddock. In 1914, uh, those who refused to walk in the new light had enough. So they pulled out and had a convention of their own and established the Trinitarian churches and Trinitarian organizations. Among the African Americans was primarily the Church of God in Christ, and among the whites, primarily the Assemblies of God. Each of them split until there was uh, quite a number of organizations, and I want you to remember that they were all in the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world. So even the Trinitarians today, he says, I don't mean the nominal church, but I'm speaking of the Holy Ghost field churches, the Trinitarian churches that received the Holy Ghost, they came out of the Pentecostal assemblies of the world. And I will tell you that of all the Trinitarian churches in existence today, uh, the Church of God in Christ is the only one that predated the Pentecostal assemblies of the world. Uh, but when they predated us, they did not have the Holy Ghost. They got the Holy Ghost with us and were with us from 1906 to 1914, and they pulled out and reorganized the Church of God in Christ. <clears throat> All right. He says, and when I say that every organization of Holy Ghost-filled people in the world today can uh, take their origins in one way or another back to the Pentecostal assemblies of the world, the Church of God in Christ might give you an argument. Uh, they were with us for eight years before they pulled out and reestablished the Church of God in Christ. Now, this was the first split from within the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world 
and it set a stage for splits that have continued until this day. So the Church of God in Christ uh, came out split from the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world, or um, they were with us for eight years, and re but thank God they received the Holy Spirit, and when they left, uh, they became part of the Trinitarian uh, organizations that receive the Holy Spirit and the Assemblies of God. But I want you to um, take note that there were innumerable splits uh, from the Church of God in Christ, from the Assemblies of God, and the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world. Uh, you just keep on splitting and splitting and splitting until you can't even find a, a splinter. But we see what happens when sin enters into the camp because not only did they split because of doctrinal purposes, they also split according to racial lines. Remember somebody, the blacks went to the Church of God in Christ, the whites went into the assemblies of God. All right, so uh, this is what happens when men uh, interject their thought and their uh, views into things. Come on, somebody. My God, we come over in here and we begin, begin to go back to our old ways. Now, God has taken us one way, but they decided we need to go another way. So these were the first two major splits uh, that came out of the um, Pentecostal assemblies of the world. I don't know. I tried to do a quick search of how many um, Jesus-only organizations that we have today. But I would imagine uh, they are innumerable and all of them can trace their origin back to the Pentecostal assemblies of the world. Amen. But what uh, I think that the thing that I really took away from this is the split along racial lines. Uh, you know, uh, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they were naked and they had no idea, had no idea, come on somebody, until sin entered into the garden. And uh, Jesus asked, well, who told you you were naked? Come on somebody. I believe a black toddler and a white toddler uh, growing up together, they know no difference until some adult, come on somebody, uh, some parent uh, brings that uh, that influence that causes that racial uh, divide. And it's nothing but sin. Nothing but sin. All right, I'm going to flip over to page 46 of this sound doctrine that has been laid up for each and every one of us. Um, this is Bishop Pidot. <clears throat> And he's talking about he has now become part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. And he says, um, uh, talking about Bishop Grimes had passed. And he said, and I, Bishop Ross P. Paddock, became the presiding bishop. My first official duty, along with my general secretary, Elder James Johnson, now Bishop James A. Johnson, was functioning as the incorporators of the reincorporated body. Consequently, 
as incorporators, our names uh, will be found in your minute book as long as the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World continues or as long as our government continues. Going back a little further in the year 1924, the devil really got in the midst of us by raising his ugly head and causing a racial conflict. Uh, I do not believe that the African-American brothers had anything to do with this. The Caucasian brethren felt that they were being belittled and their prestige was taken from them by having the names of African-American men on their credentials. Many of them were primarily the Southern brethren. Maybe you can recall the tension that existed between the blacks and whites in the South. So they pulled out and formed an organization. The majority of the white brethren left the Pentecostal assemblies of the world and went into what is called the Pentecostal Ministerial Alliance. Um, then uh, they later reincorporated under the new name of Pentecostal Church Incorporated, and they called themselves a lily white organization. And no African American was permitted to be in that organization. Now, I'm not blaming my white brethren. I put the blame where it belongs. The devil got in the midst. Just remember, he's the adversary. The only blame I could put on the white brethren was that they were carried away by this uh, persuasion. Uh, they were weak when they should have been strong. The reason for mentioning this twofold, primarily because it sets the races one against the other, and it sets the tone that continued for so many years of separation of the races. And secondly, since it became the Pentecostal churches incorporated, later on there was a merger which they were involved that became of major importance to us. All right. So we see here uh, the racial divide that took place that destroyed the fellowship among the brethren. A Pentecostal Ministers Alliance later reincorporated under the new name of Pentecostal Churches Incorporated, and they called themselves a lily white organization. And certainly this puts the races against uh, each other. And later on, there was a merger after that, that Bishop Paddock uh, mentions that he's going to talk about later, is of importance uh, to us. Uh, but we thank God for Bishop G.T. Haywood, the pioneer. He was the pioneer of the oneness movement. Amen. And if we're, there's anybody that we would call the chief apostle on this earth, it would certainly be Bishop G.T. Haywood. I know a lot of people calling themselves the uh, not only apostle, but the chief apostle. Now, there's only one that's the chief apostle, and that's Jesus Christ. But if there were any man on this earth that we would deem the chief apostle, it would be Bishop G.T. Haywood uh, and the oneness uh, doctrine that God had revealed unto him uh, in his day and in his time. All right, I'm going to continue on. I'm going to read here 
on page 47. In 1925, the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World assumed the title of bishop. The original bishop board incorporated five members, and of the five members, one of them was elected the first presiding bishop, and that was Bishop Garfield Thomas Haywood, Bishop Haywood. And I want to say right here that he was the man who inspired my ministry. I got my start in my ministry both preaching and teaching under Bishop Haywood. And I can say with conviction that he was the man who received more revelation of God in those last days than any other one man. Bishop Haywood was a pioneer of the oneness message during the days of the separation of the Trinitarians from the oneness brethren. Not just a pioneer, but he was almost the pioneer. Yes, there were others of that day, but Bishop Haywood was the man that the tributaries recognized as the pioneer. You see, Paul said, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereupon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Now, if any man build upon the foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. All right. <clears throat> I'm skipping down. I'm saying, uh, it says, I want to realize that our brethren who held to the Trinitarian persuasion recognized the fact that Bishop Haywood was practically the pioneer of the oneness movement. Bishop Haywood was a preacher, par excellence, a teacher beyond compare. God gave him more revelation than any other one man. I'm going to come back to this point after a while, and there will be a good reason why. Bishop Haywood was the first Bishop Haywood was the first presiding bishop of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world, and he served seven years until he died. I think so many times that he preached himself to death. Uh, no, uh, now this author preached far more years than Bishop Haywood did, and I am 20 years older than he was when he died. All right. When Bishop Haywood died in 1931, it was a devastating blow. A group of brethren in the East had turned against him until Bishop uh, Haywood actually died of a broken heart. One time he held a had a commitment uh, in the island of Jamaica, and from a health standpoint, he should have not gone have gone, but he went anyway. When he came back home, he took his bed and he stayed there, but he couldn't die. Finally, he said to Bishop Hancock, Brother Sam, tell the brethren to stop praying for me. Let me go. We stopped praying and God took him home. The tears get pretty close to the surface every time I think or speak about it. Um, isn't that something? When you look at the history and we're talking about a, a, a Caucasian man Bishop Paddock speaking in, in, in great giving uh, African-American man, G.T. Haywood, great accolades, uh, 
recognizing him as being the pioneer, the one that uh, had the most inspiration upon his ministry. And he talks about tears that comes to his to the surface when he speaks or even thinks about uh, the death of Bishop G.T. Haywood. Now, isn't that the way we ought to be? Well, we don't have no separation between white and black, uh, big eyes and little U's. This is the, the, the body of Christ that God intended that we all might be one. That's what Jesus prayed, that they all might be one. All right, I'm going to continue on um, down a little bit further here. At this point, your author came into the picture. I had been in the ministry for a couple years at that time, but I had no credentials with any organization. My pastor, Bishop Hancock, went into the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ. He was just like a father to me. So I came into the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ in the year 1936. Now, Bishop Hancock was also an African-American man. And here you have a Caucasian uh, person saying he was just like a father to me. All right. And I was ordained in the organization at Bishop Carl Smith's church in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, that very year, I learned the stance of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ on the racial issue. The majority of them believed in segregation, and they came up with a proposition that the African-American brethren would have their conventions separate, and the white brethren would have their conventions separate. And maybe once in seven years, they would come together in a joint convention somewhere in the north where they wouldn't have much where they wouldn't have much trouble. I said that couldn't be God. And I walked out. For two years, I stayed independent, not because I believed in being independent, but I wanted to know that when I made my next move, it would be my last. I investigated the various organizations of that day and found the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World to be the original organization, the parent body, the father of all the children, and also the one organization that held more closely to the apostolic doctrine and was still an interracial organization. So in 1938, I came into the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, and I expect to stay until I die or the Lord calls me home. <clears throat> All right, and we certainly know that is true. He did just that. Um, I'm going to pick it up here. Go down, pick up again. All right. Uh, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ was formed, but it was not an uh, it was an unlawful merger because both organizations had voted against it. The purpose was to disband the Apostolic Church of Jesus Christ and the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world and to have just one body called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ. 
but it didn't work out that way. The apostolic churches of Jesus Christ retained their status and the Pentecostal Slims of the world retained theirs. Uh, but you see what happened at that time, the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world was almost dead, but it came back alive. And how did it happen? The late Bishop A. William Lewis, the first time he preached baptism in Jesus' name, I got so angry I wanted to choke him. After service, I went out in front of the church and told the folks, if they bring that preacher out here, I'll choke him. After that night, I couldn't get away from the word. I, uh, forgot, um, I fought with everything I had um, from the month of June until the following New Year's Day. I couldn't take it any longer, so I was baptized in Jesus' name and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. So Bishop Lewis was my father in the gospel, and we had a very close association down through the years, closely enough that it was my privilege to preach the funeral of his wife, and then later on to preach his funeral. Um, can you imagine that? Here's Bishop Paddock talking about the time that he now uh, had to submit to the oneness doctrine finally being baptized in, in Jesus. And this is talking about over a course of some years. He's, you know, um, uh, of the Pentecostal movement, but he's still with the Trinitarian doctrine. But finally, finally, he submits and he's baptized in Jesus' name and filled up with the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. And we certainly thank God for that and went to be a great pioneer um, in the Pentecostal Assemblies world and presiding bishop, amen, of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the, of the world. And I thank God for his testimony, searching for the real body of Christ, amen. Uh, you know, God's people can't be divided. That's not what he... Uh, died and went to the cross and shed his blood for. He prayed that we all might be one. And thank God for the oneness doctrine and the baptism in Jesus' name and Bishop Paddock finally submitting after fighting a long time against it. He finally was baptized and filled with the Holy um, uh, Spirit. But it, it just seems quite amazing uh, that that influence that influence that flowed out of the Catholic Church had such a hold on ministries trying to find their way to Christ. And we certainly thank God uh, there shall be light in the evening time. Come on, somebody, look at what God has done. All right, I'm going to share with you the last piece of this, and I think the most um uh, the part that um, I thought was most interesting, and I read this book years ago, and it wasn't until this Bible class that I said I got to find this book because I know I read this years ago. Uh, I, I refused to have any comment on the subject until I got this book uh, back before me and wanted to confirm what I knew I had already read. 
All right, on page 52, this is Bishop Paddock. Now the year 1945, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ and the Pentecostal Churches Incorporated uh, merged and formed the United Pentecostal Church. The United Pentecostal Church is numerically the largest Jesus-only organization in the world, and it still is today. Uh, much larger than the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world, uh, they were predominantly white, and I have their original minute book. So this isn't hearsay. I know what I'm talking about. They have what is called a colored branch. And in the back of their minute book, the African-American ministers are listed as colored ministers. Uh, now, I couldn't quite see why African-American brethren would accept a situation like that. So I looked through the names to find out why and discovered that most of them had been disfellowshipped from the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World or perhaps some other organization were just looking for a place to roost. And I may as well tell you this, um, to this day, the United Pentecostal Church is not an integrated organization. What I am telling you is that they have many good men as far as the organization is concerned. Uh, they don't like me because I have to say it. They are rotten to the core. Uh, I did not cut off fellowship with the United Pentecostal Church brethren, but I do not have fellowship with the United Pentecostal organization. I've been in uh, their organization and they have come uh, to ours. We would stop everything and recognize them, pin badges on them, give them a chance to address the organization, uh, whether it was a business or religious subject, and even had them preach at our convention. On one occasion, two months after um, they attended our convention, Bishop Brisbane and I went to the convention and they didn't even recognize us nor acknowledge our presence. So I think you can understand why I left the Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ uh, when I did. You can see I only believe what the Bible teaches me. There's just one body and we are to be together in love as brethren. So the merger of the Pentecostal, United Pentecostal Church came in 1945. There were a few white brethren left in the Pentecostal assemblies of the world but they were enticed and recruited. Uh, they uh, enticed and recruited most of them. When I say enticed, they offered them um, office positions if they came with them. And some of them were even offered money to help build churches. Now, this isn't hearsay because in their 1949 convention, they appointed a committee to come to the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World and get this author. The committee met with me um, in that convention and we talked for about four hours. And when we got through, my name was mud with them. And it is to this day. 
I guess I may as well tell you as part of, of it. I said, why is it um, we should not worship together? And they said, well, if we worship together, it's only a matter of time until there will be interracial marriages. I don't deny that. And if you would like to know, I have a quite an international family myself. In my bloodline, as far as I know, are English, Irish, Welsh, Scotch, German, Dutch, Swiss, and French. And if that isn't enough to make a mess out of it, I don't know what it takes. Besides that, because of interracial marriage in my family, I have cousins almost uh, by the dozens in this country. Uh, for you, uh, For you that remember the late Earl Fisher of Cleveland, Ohio, he was my cousin, or maybe you know Evangelist Lorraine Willis of San Bernardino. She's my cousin. These are both, all these are African-American people. Uh, I have two nieces, both of them blondes, who married African-American men. Uh, they have children, of course, who are mixed. Uh, this marriage tied Bishop Hollis and me together because Bishop Hollis uh, nephew married my niece. I'm sure some of you know Elder Herman Patterson. Uh, there's a family of eight children who call him Uncle Lou. And that same family calls me uncle because we're both uncles to that family. And we're talking about African-American uh, people. You see, I can say that there won't be an interracial marriage uh, for that's none of my affair. I chose the route I wanted, and I expect every other man to do the same thing. If my wife should die and I should marry again, I would make the choice then. Nobody would tell me whom I could choose. However, the committee said um, no intermarriage. And I said, give me a scripture against it. And they gave me a scripture. You may get ready to laugh about this one. You remember the chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians, the Bible said, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Well, they read the hair part of it as uh, said, nature itself teaches you some things. They said, don't you know that animals don't mix I said, maybe a dog and a cat don't mix, but I know that you know that some animals do. We get the tiger when the tiger and the lion mix. Of course, there wouldn't be such things as a mule. Uh, there wasn't a round. There wasn't a sound. But I said, tell me what would happen if you put a black dog and a white dog, male and female, in the same yard. Or tell me uh, if we put a black cat and a white cat, male and female, in the same yard. Or you put a black and a white rooster and hen, male and female, in the same yard. Uh, by the time I got through with them, or they got through with me, I was a bad boy. My name was Mud with the, with the United Pentecostal Church since, and you know I don't mind it in the least. If you suffer for righteousness sake, 
happy are ye. They haven't made me suffer, but that might be suffering to some because everybody likes to be respected and honored. Um, now there's, um, let me see here. Okay. Now, if any of my readers are United Pentecostal Church members, I'm sorry. We have many good uh, United Pentecostal Church brethren, uh, which we met in South Bend, Indiana one year in May. The United Pentecostal Church sent letters to all their pastors around the area, forbidding them to come to our meeting. But many of them came anyway. And when they came, we treated them just like we did anybody else. Uh, but there are brethren and sisters just the same. I didn't want to break off fellowship with anybody because of organizational affiliation. If there's any breach in fellowship, it's because of sin. All right. Um, let me see here. I think I'm just about done with this. The Bible says to have no respect of persons, to have respect of persons is to commit sin. Prejudice for any reason, racial or otherwise, the Bible says it is sin. The very foundation of what organizations uh, the very foundation of that organization is built on sin. Now, I read this years, years, years ago, uh, and I have had conversation with um, even many of you about uh, UPCI, UPC churches, uh, and I've never uttered it out of my mouth, although I knew it, and I, and. This Bible class was coming up and, and I said, well, you know what? I got to find this book. He talks about uh, a part of that uh, testimony, the brethren's coming to recruit him out of the Pentecostal assemblies of the world in um, his Bible class, Contrary to Nature. I, uh, to nature. And I've read that before. And I said, well, you know, I, he's given a part of it. I read this in more depth somewhere. And I, I just it I just had to take a day and I over here I got a just a, a wall of books and I finally came across this book and I know the Lord was gonna lead me to it because I was uh, searching it and I wanted to get this book before you and read this sound wisdom that has been laid up for the righteous to you uh, so you'll know this is just not my words in what I'm saying. Now, um, I have dealt with uh, individuals, the UPCI do not believe. Now, they have individuals. Now, one of the things you have to understand and know, um, a, a church, a false church organization or whatever it is, when people start talking, they start uh, making some changes to make you believe and go along with them that no, there's no issue here. So they have, you know, uh, couples that are interracial couples in UPC churches. Uh, but the UPC church does not believe in interracial marriage. 
They haven't from the very beginning and they will tolerate you now. Uh, they, they do not advise it. <laughs> they do not um, condone it. And if you're there, they will tolerate you. They certainly won't celebrate you. I have dealt with that situation in my own office. Uh, a couple uh, that was shunned on uh, because of interracial marriage that were part of the UPC. Amen. Uh, there was a couple on Facebook um, that gave a testimony. And many of you may remember it because after I saw their testimony on Facebook, I actually reposted their posts. Uh, that was, this was an African-American man and a, a Caucasian woman that was trying to start a church in the UPC. And they said, we've done this and we've done that. We've done this and we've done that. And the only conclusion we can come up with is that we are an interracial couple. He's black and I'm white. And I actually reposted it on Facebook. And that's been years ago. And I actually went back and found it. That post is still there. And you all can find it yourself uh, if you so desire. And um, But I, I want you all to know, uh, a lot of these organizations that pretend to be one thing are totally different. One of the uh, pastors online was calling out uh, UPCI because they would not come up with a statement concerning the George Floyd killing. And uh, he was asking the question, well, where are you all on this particular uh, matter? There, uh, moms was the word. I, I did a search to see if they finally put a, a statement out on the George Floyd killing. Uh, nothing. I haven't found anything. All right. So um, some of these things that, you know, we're dealing with today, this is stuff that's been going on for ye way back then. And guess what? It's still going on today. And we wonder why people are divided. You know, people don't tell you on the surface how they really feel. But one thing about the day of, of Donald Trump, now people are bold and they will let you know what they feel about certain things. Uh, there's a scripture in Romans, the 11th chapter and the 16th verse. I want you all to read. Um... And uh, we have read in another uh, place, I believe that was in, I believe it was in John, talk about if the, if the root be holy, then so are the branches. Uh, but I want to take this particular scripture. It's in Romans eleven sixteen through 18. It says, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, 
But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Uh, the other scripture example I was talking about, he said, the branch cannot bear fruit of its own, except it be connected to the root. Now, if the root be holy, then so are the branches. And amen. But let me ask the question, what if the root is racist? What if the root is corrupt? Come on, somebody. My God. And how can two walk together except they be agreed? Come on, somebody. My God. And this is this is what I'm, I'm you know, United States churches are so divided now. And one of the things I want to talk about is the influence of this harlot, this mother of harlots that have had that has that she has had on other ministries that have not subscribed and kept to the teachings of Christ. Jesus prayed that we all might be one. That's the way the body of Christ ought to operate. There ought not be no difference between us among somebody. We ought to see one another as equal. And it's amazing how um, uh, you can lose friends because, you know, uh, people will be friends with you as long as there's an understanding that you're not equal with them. You're not as good as them. You're not as prosperous as them. Come on, somebody. You're not as knowledgeable as them or educated as them. And I, I can't, you know, I'm just an unassuming person. And I'm not running around trying to tell nobody what I got, what I do, what I know, and all of this and everything, trying to impress nobody about nothing. You know, you can, uh, my neighbors call me Avery. <laughs> you know, you don't have to give me, pump me up, tell me nothing, uh, you know. But you would be surprised at the people you lose as friends when they find out you actually have more than them or know more than them, <laughs> or excel them in education, or in knowledge, or speaking ability, teaching ability, you would be surprised. Their friendship was based upon the fact that you are less than them. That's the only way we, you know, <laughs> but when they find out something different, that person that was your friend now becomes your biggest hater. Remember somebody, my God. So we, we're, we're in a situation now where we're, we're seeing more division than ever before now. And it ties back to something. And that's, and that's what we're, we're talking about. The influence of this false church. Now, listen, it's not just the Catholic churches. It is the influence that have flown, uh, flown out of her, that, that flows out of her, I should say. My God, 
And a lot of times people, they present themselves as one thing, but inwardly, and isn't that what we're talking about? John saw it and his mouth fell open. And you know, it looks just like Jesus, but can a church actually do this? Behave this way? Come on, somebody. My God, this is what we're talking about. What in the world is going on? My God. And, you know, I think it's very important. One of the things that uh, my brother, uh, Elder Alvin Dumas, uh, impressed upon my mind. In fact, he was the one that told me when I got into ministry, he said, get the complete teachings of Bishop G.T. Haywood. Now, uh, that was something that I did not um, do right away. Uh, I held it. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, the reason I did it is because we were at a region five in, in Annapolis, Indiana, and we were right there at the mother church. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to, since I'm here, I'm going to make my way down to a little unassuming uh, closet that they had. And I went in and I told uh, the young lady, I said, I want the complete teachings of Bishop G.T. Haywood. Uh, she said, well, you know, they're not compiled in a book. They're made up of books and charts and pamphlets. And I said, well, listen, whatever it is, uh, get it all together and I'm going to I'm going to purchase it all. Uh, I, I know I ended up paying over three hundred dollars. It may have been close to five hundred dollars. And, you know, a lot of people will frown on something like that. But it isn't amazing how you can read a book. And you'll know in one or two hours what that individual may have taken 70 years uh, to accumulate that knowledge. It's a great investment. It's a great investment. And, you know, a lot of people, if reading is not fundamental to you, don't come at me about nothing I'm teaching or nothing I say. Get a, get in there and read it for yourself. I know a lot of times, uh, sometimes I'm teaching and I'm saying some things and and people will start out a sentence like, well, it seems like, well, wait, uh, oh, hold on. <laughs> it, it don't seem like nothing. Just get in the book, do your study, do your research. And it's no, no seem like, let's just deal with the facts. And the facts are the facts. All right. So one of the things that uh, my um, brother, my oldest brother, Elder Alvin Dumas shared uh, with me that I shared with the ministers, and that was a book, and I'm sure I got that, Fast Facts on False Religion. You need to know, you need to understand uh, with other uh, uh, denominations with other religions, with other doctrines are sane and understand how they come to the understanding that they come, you know, what, you know, <laughs> however they got there, you know, uh, the 144 in, in the, um, uh, Jehovah witness, the watchtower, you need to understand that because if you're talking to them, you can understand the point 
their teaching and where they're coming from and take them to another land. It's, it's, it's more than just knowing what you know. You also want to know what they know and let them tell you what they know without saying anything. I have a lot of times people explain and say some things to me and I know more about it than they, they know themselves. And I'm sitting in there listening and I'm just waiting to take them to a higher level. My God. So it's so important. And, you know, even when uh, those uh, vagabond Jews uh, came to Satan, he said, Jesus, I know. Uh, even even Satan himself knows scripture. He knows Jesus. Come on, somebody. Know it better than us many times. So we need to do a search. We need to do a search and expand ourselves uh, to know uh, where other organizations are coming from so you can understand and try to take them to another level. And um, not only do I have this book that I found, Apostolic Roots, I began to look at other organizations, uh, their literature. Now, this is, uh, this is the Christian outlook. It comes uh, uh, to me, Suffragan Bishop Avery Dumas, and I, I always go through and read what the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World is talking about. Uh, and what they promote throughout the organization, and you should know it too, especially all of our registered um, ministers of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. Um, we got an article here, Prophetic Dreams Changed My Life. This is by June Summers Harrison. Um, uh, Fight Like a Girl. Some good information, I'm sure. Um, African American history, redefining your international uh, wealth. Uh, talks about the Fall Council, Tension Council planners. I uh, got some information here about some books. Uh, that for, are for sale by a certain author. It's got a recipe page in here talking to, got a recipe about orange muffins and a black bean salad. Names in the Bible. Oh, P-A-W is so, they're so nice. <laughs> um, talks about gratitude. Um... So this is the latest uh, Christian outlook. Now, when I'm saying about know what other people teaching, I happen to have here publication from the IBC. This is the um, Indiana Bible College. Uh, and by the way, they are endorsed uh, by the UPCI. And um, you all... Uh, can do that uh, research yourself. Now, this is this. These have been coming to the church. Uh, my God, um, 
I don't know how many years, maybe even, I'm sure it was probably when my father was pastor. Now these are not, these are not magazines I went and, and found. They're all labeled to the church. New Grace Apostolic Temple. <laughs> New Grace Apostolic Temple. New Grace Apostolic Temple. Um, that I have been receiving for years. Um, and if you put something out there, I'm definitely going to read it to find out what you're talking about. And there's one thing I've noticed about uh, IBC, Indiana Bible College. They talk about a lot of things uh, that are real shocking. You know how you, um, you, you we talked about how you poison a rat. <laughs> you give it some good stuff. And then you put a just enough strychnine in there to um, to kill them. Now, when they're eating it, they say, oh, this is good stuff. This is real good stuff. This is real good. <laughs> but you got just enough poison in there to kill them. And I just want to share with you some of the things that I found in uh, their magazine. So if you go through, I see a lot of of their um, opinions. Uh, most successful ministries for winning souls. News you can use. Plainly speaking, cities worth saving. I thought that was kind of an interesting article. Uh, answer forum. Communist. Uh, com, uh, world news. Guest pulpit. Christ. Coronavirus and the cross. That was an interesting one in apostolic ministry. But when you go through their magazine, their publication, you always get to a page, uh, and it's it's page 17 on every article you have, and it's highlighted. It's got a different highlight than any of the other pages in the book. And in this particular um, book, it talks about the California judge that legalizes uh, three homosexuals to become fathers to two surrogate-born children. It talks about how Senate Democrats defeat a measure protecting babies who survive abortion. Um... Uh, a leading archbishop is calling for President Joe Biden to stop defining himself as a devout Catholic because of his endorsement of abortion. Um, over 20,000 signed a 1 million moms petition over the American Girl Dow with same sex storyline. Talks about South Carolina House passes heartbeat bill that would ban most abortions uh, in the state. That's some that's some pretty heavy stuff, and it's all one point of view. There's another one in here. It talks about um, Christ, coronavirus, and the cross. 
this says, um, um, it is just me or is everybody else suffering the mass fatigue? Uh, the dreaded mask has become the symbol of the last 12 months, including COVID-19, sickness, death, loss of loved ones, loss of freedoms, uh, overreach of government, um, social upheaval and uncertainty. Is the mask stopping the spread? I truly don't know. Uh, once they were mandated, positive tests spiked. Some haven't worn a mask, yet they seem to be doing well. Uh, we were all wearing masks at the TLC, participating in social distancing, sitting in designated seats, cleaning and sanitizing everything. And we still had 40 cases of COVID-19 symptoms reported within a few days of each other. Uh, the writer also finally says that um, I have been uh, scheming now how I might destroy all my masks when they're no longer needed. I would like to uh, obliterate them with as much force as possible. Uh, you know, I said, you know, this sounds like the person that don't want to sit on a plane and uh, wear a mask, you know, um, one of the stewardess, uh, I believe it was American Airlines, that uh, was punched in the face twice by an individual with these same kind of, you know, thoughts. You know, they're, they're sick of masks and, you know, it doesn't make a difference at the end of the day. Um, uh, this man over a mask, and matter of fact, that's that uh, case, those cases have skyrocketed. Individuals that, you know, just refuse to wear a mask, they go into the grocery store and they're unmasked when the masks were mandated at the time and they're just creating havoc. Uh, all because of a mask. My God. The next issue here, and if we go to page 17... Uh, it talks about Antifa. Oh my goodness. Indiana Bible College? What do they know about? And this is this particular uh, article here. I thought it was real interesting because it painted such a bad picture about Antifa. And um, uh, it says dozens of black clad Antifa militants carry shields and melee weapons on Saturday assaulted Christians, including children who were attending a prayer and worship event in downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, featuring Canadian pastor Arthur Pawlowski. Portland police, now look at this. Portland police looked on as Antifa uh, bear sprayed Christians and their children lobbed flash bombs into the crowd and reportedly threw the sound equipment being used for the prayer event into the, uh, into the river, media reported. Uh, in uh, black block and riot gear, armed Antifa 
could be seen in a video physically confronting the Christian attendees. One of the members sprayed a congregant with what was appeared to be a pepper spray. The attendees stepped back to uh, evade the assault. The Post uh, Millennial reported, where is your God now? One of the Antifa members can be heard shouting in the video. A woman attending the prayer event described the group, group as ruthless. Antifa just rode in like an angry mob, started throwing flash bombs and everybody macing everybody uh, with rotten eggs. CBN News quoted her as saying they threw a flash bomb onto a group of kids that were out there for four, uh, from four months old to 10 years old, uh, the attendee described. <laughs> um, I asked a young man from Portland, Oregon, you know, I don't know much about Antifa. I just know they haven't burned down the uh, IRS building and um, like Timothy McVeigh done or they, we didn't have a Waco situation, uh, but I, I was uh, like we've had uh, Wake down in Waco, Texas. But I asked him about Antifa. I said, you know, uh, I saw an article where it says Antifa throws flash bombs at children, injures pastor in Portland Prairie. That I mean, is that what they're all about? They actually uh, attack Christian events and children. I almost wanted to call down to uh, Portland myself and, and do a research and, and find out just how much merit. I mean, because when you read that, that sounds awful. What, what was the point of attacking uh, children in a Christian prayer event? I, you know, come on. A U.S. street preacher arrested in London says speaking truth is now a hate crime. Uh, all of this stuff. Um, AMA urges removal of sex from all birth certificates. No clear standard for sex of child. Well, I know Michigan has just created a law where now you can create put an X on your driver's license. And um, you don't have to declare whether you're male or female anymore. Page 17 again. Uh, Kellogg promotes racial, gender, and sexual ideology in the LGBTQ-themed serial. Um, uh, critical race theory. Wow, that's another big one uh, that, you know, in Michigan, the, um, um, the Republicans, you know, we have a, since we don't vote in nothing but the general election, you know, uh, most our House and Senate in Michigan are held by Republicans and they just passed a law that critical CRT can't be taught in the elementary schools. And I don't think nobody's even trying to do that. Uh, but CRT is alive and well on college campuses where they talk about Black Wall Street. They talk about the Native Americans that have were killed um, during the time when they came over and discovered America. Uh, talking truth, they don't want their children to know anything about critical race theory. Um, says CRT might sound good on the surface to some people, 
but it's a deceptive idea that divides people, make race relations impossible, and actually demeans people of color. In summary, it says this, all white people are inherently racist, whether they realize it or not. White supremacy is built into our government and institutions and even in the United States Constitution because white people inherently seek to maintain power through law. Uh, white people must work hard to rid themselves of the need of white privilege. Um, can you imagine Indiana Bible College talking about critical race theory? They got it. They got it all uh, in here. You know, uh, all of the, the, the bullet points, you know, they asked, uh, told Louis Farrakhan, well, we don't like the way you talk about um, uh, white people as being demons, you know, and. Uh, he said, well, my dear brother, you know, uh, you all have enslaved our people and you've built uh, America on the backs of uh, our men in enslaved labor. And you have uh, raped our women and uh, you have denied us uh, equal access to uh, education and opportunity. Who does that? Jesus? <laughs> you know, they they don't want to, you know, they stop their ears. They don't want to hear all that. But, you know, all of this um, is in their publications. Uh, most Americans say abortion should be illegal after the first trimester in most all cases. Ah, uh, let me see here. Let's go to page 17. You wonder why people have the thoughts that they think. Um, Idaho bans critical race theory from being taught in public schools, including universities. And Michigan, you know, just did the same thing. Um, <clears throat> but that's where they get all of this. Church forced to cancel event with conservative, conservative activists after receiving threats of violence. So their church services were being canceled because they received threats. And I think any church probably would do the same. Um, but somehow it's tied into a ratio. All right, here's one on Black Lives Matter. Oh my goodness. Um, <clears throat> I live in a red state and blue country. Uh, and there are probably four or five churches right around me that fly a Marxist Black Lives Matter flag or Christian socialism symbol or a rainbow flag. And they're flying these higher than the cross. I think it says a lot about where churches in America are right now. Here's uh, one that's comparing um, 
uh, if a child in an abortion case is identified to have Down syndrome, um, and what they want to do is give them opportunity or an opportunity to abort uh, the fetus because of Down syndrome, and they um, um, like that liken that unto the Nazis um, eugenics, uh, where they were trying to create the master race. You know, everything is presented in such a a negative. Uh, one-sided way. This is COVID-19. What is the end game? Um, uh, when and how did we quickly lose our free will? You know, they're, you know, calling this, they have a right. And it is amazing how um, they have a right not to wear a mask or a right not to vaccinate, yet uh, a woman doesn't have a right to choose. So it's just a repressive regime. You know, um, what they do, they have a right to do whatever they want to do. <laughs> yet they want to put the thumb down on you and control you. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, he couldn't even get on one knee. He wasn't drawing no attention to himself. It was Donald Trump said, oh, he's disrespecting our military. He's disrespecting our flag. Things to consider when you vote. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Um, one mentions the creator and the other doesn't. One mentions prayer and the other doesn't. One mentions pastors and the others doesn't. One mentions church and the other doesn't. Uh, one mentions preach and the other doesn't. <laughs> uh, they're talking about, um, uh, he says, this person says, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a Christian, uh, i.e. Bible voter. Uh, the next president of the United States will be, uh, will be elected from one of our two political parties. Um, uh, one is to the right and the other is to the left. And it talks about the difference between Republicans and Democrats. And of course, <laughs> uh, one is is shed in a, in a positive light and one is shed in another negative light. Um, look at this. They got one little blurb in here talking about uh, the goodness of Donald Trump. The President Trump signed a landmark bill into law Tuesday that permanently fines the Land and Water Conservative Fund and provides billions of dollars to restore national parks and infrastructure. Uh, the Great American Outdoors Act allocates $9.5 billion over five years to restore facilities and infrastructure in national parks and, par and, and, and public lands. Isn't that something out of all that stuff Donald Trump been doing? <laughs> That's all they can come up with to talk about on, on Donald Trump. Uh, verse, uh, page 17 again. Let me see. Um, when does equality, the Equality Act achieve? Does it truly achieve equality? All right. When it comes to racial, uh, sexual and gender ideology, 
President Biden has done more than sign an executive order reversing the Trump administration ban, which prevented transgender individuals from serving in the military. All right, it talks about a Chinese textbook that rewrites the Bible and claims that Jesus stoned the woman to death. Uh, Facebook suspends Christian scholar for disagreement with uh, transgender military policy. Um, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Page 17. UPCI endorsed Indiana Bible College. People that's supposed to be about Christ. Oh, it talks about the Justice Department and how Biden's DOJ sues Texas over uh, abortion law, uh, the cardiac uh, activity over heartbeat. 60% of self-identified Christians do not believe in the Holy Spirit is real. Um, talking about all the all of the points that you can think of. I'm talking about critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, um, all of the hot button points. <laughs> Everything you need to, for hate, division, separation, it's all here compiled for you. You can get a constant diet of it. It's a one-way. It's a one-way one publication. Antifa is is flash bombing kids and, and and tearing up prayer meetings and and the police just looked on. My God, if I got my information from that, I, I would think Antifa is like the worst thing there is in, in the world. Critical race theory, that's the worst thing. Black Lives Matter, you know. Um, you know, Paula White even said, you know, as much as they say, well, we're not a terrorist group, uh, Paula White, well, Black Lives Matter, they're a terrorist group. You say, well, Pastor, this organization here, they're just informing their people what's going on in the world, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Let, let's let's find out. Okay, if that's the case, what's missing? What's missing? How about Donald Trump and his porn stars? Donald Trump and his infidelity. How about in the cases of rape against Donald Trump? I'm, we're talking about big stuff here now. How about his attempt, Donald Trump and his attempt to overthrow? The election results in Georgia, <laughs> uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, even right here in Michigan. How about the January 6th uh, insurrection that took place at the Capitol? You mean to tell me y'all out of all of this? That's all y'all could talk about was Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. Am I somebody? How about the Confederate flag that was flown inside the nation's capital? How about Donald Trump on the phone with the official from Georgia telling him I need 11,000 
He told him exactly how many votes he needed. <laughs> that, that didn't make it in here. How about him lying about the coronavirus, saying that it was a Democratic hoax? Nothing about the Oath Keepers, nothing about the Boogaloo Boys, nothing about the Proud Boys, nothing about the KKK, nothing about the neo-Nazis, nothing about the QAnon conspiracy theorists, uh, nothing about the Republican Party, nothing about Alex Jones. Y'all remember him that was running around? He was the first one talking about that uh, Sandy Hook was a hoax. And all these parents that had their kids killed in school, uh, he, you know, he called it a hoax. And I'm so glad they finally sued him and shut him up and got him off the air. Uh, how about the murder of George Floyd? How about the murder of uh, Ahmaud Arbery? How about the church shooting in, in Charlottesville? When the, the young man comes and, and shoots up and kills the pastor and uh, probably about nine or ten parishioners in a black church. How about the assassination attempt on our governor right here in Michigan? How about Rudy Giuliani and his lies about Ukraine and how he went in, 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 in went to several states defending the lie that the election was stolen. Come on, somebody. And now he's being sued by Dominion, uh, the creator of the voting machines, because he stood up there and, and actually said a vote for Trump turned into a vote for Biden. None of that's in here. Is nothing but a constant diet of hate and division. And if you want to know what in the world is going on, <laughs> you better start paying attention to what's happening right before our very eyes. How many, you know, I want to also read to you all the, the open letter uh, from John Pavlovich uh, to... Um, evangelicals. You all need to hear that if you haven't heard it already. Uh, how many of these people were um, in the January 6th? I'm talking about Christians that actually believe that the election was stolen. How many of the people that you work with and your neighbors and, you know, I'm talking about good Christian folk were in that crowd. My God. And listen, we're going, this is, this, we took it all away from the Bible. We're talking about the influence, the influence of the mother of harlots. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people are subscribing to this stuff. And the Bible talks about the, the, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many minds are being deceived. They're being fed just enough poison. Come on, somebody, to keep them at odds with you. And people are taking heed and acting out, and we're in the most dangerous time 
uh, in the history of the United States. My God, something has been unleashed. We know what it is and we know where it's heading to. But what we're doing is just reverse. We're re-engineering. We're going to the Bible and then following it all the way through. And if you all stick with me, we'll uh, we'll get to the end of this and maybe get on a subject you're more comfortable with. But I just want to share with you some truth. If you want to know what in the world is going on, you better open up your eyes and perk up your ears. Uh, people that you think you know, you don't know them at all. <laughs> May God bless you.